It is Thursday, March 23rd. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. 68 down to 16. How sweet it is. And Ja Morant returns to the Grizz. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Sweet 16 will be down to the Sweet 12 by the end of tonight. John Morant returns, scores 17 points off the bench in a Grizzlies win. And Mark Cuban's going to protest the latest system play. I don't blame him. <laughs> what is what is the Vegas lead, Scott? I definitely want to talk about Mark Cuban because <laughs> it's hilarious. And actually watching that, watching it unfold, it's like you don't think of it at the time. But then we'll get into the whole Mark Cuban and, and the, the Mavericks and the Warriors game. But let's start with the Sweet 16 because tonight we will have four games tipping off as we make our way towards the Elite Eight and sooner we're going to be in the Final Four before we know it. Uh, first game, well, first let's just talk about where we are in the brackets, okay? In the East region, it's the seven seed against the three seed, Michigan State against Kansas State. And Sparty is one and a half point favorites in that game. The winner of that game will take on the winner of the nine seed Florida Atlantic and the four seed Tennessee, Tennessee, a five point favorite. And then we'll have the West region tonight where the eight seed Arkansas will take on the four seed UConn, UConn, a four point favorite and the three, two matchup Gonzaga, UCLA, UCLA, one and a half point favorites. So AJ, let's start. With the Michigan State-Kansas State game, we'll go in chronological order. That's the first game of the night. And we have two uh, regions in opposite sides of the country. We got Madison Square Garden in New York. We got T-Mobile right here in Las Vegas. We'll start in New York. Michigan State-Kansas State. Does this line make sense to you? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I kind of expected Kansas State to be favored. Uh, but it, it's not wildly off. Uh, and it could be, I mean, Michigan state's impressed and I'm certainly not a buyer in them. I wasn't a buyer to begin this tournament. Uh, I wasn't a buyer in the big 10 in general, and they're the last of the Mohicans when it comes to the big 10. Uh, but I, I gotta give them credit for what they did against Marquette. Uh, they, they forced Marquette into a nightmare start. I mean, it was like 14 to two. I mean, Marquette was missing layups. It was just, it was a disaster, uh, they were able, Marquette got all the way back into it, and then Sparty locked it down in the last couple minutes and, and won that game. Uh, Kansas State, on the other hand, they it feels like maybe they got a little bit lucky. Uh, it, the the it was a shot quality win for Kentucky. Like if you look mm-hmm. at shot quality, yep. they they, yep. they won the game or they should have won the game. Uh, mostly because Antonio Reeves, who was one of fifteen from the field, shot quality says he sc- should have scored eleven more points. Um, but Kentucky dominated the glass in that game. 19 offensive rebounds. Sparty can't come close to that. Uh, Michigan State has been fortunate in some ways because they're a team that relies on three-point shooting, and they're 7 of 30 uh, in their first two games from three. So Kansas State's top 15 three-point defense in the country. They're going to make it tough to hit those threes. My my question for for Michigan State is – 
who's the answer for Keontae Johnson? And he's been a real handful. Uh, I don't know that there's a guy on Michigan State's roster I can point at and say, yeah, that guy can handle him. In general, I want to, I would much rather back the Big 12 than the Big 10. So it's a lean for me to to Kansas State. I don't, I'm not going to like this game because Ken Palm says it should be Kansas State favored. Um, it, it's, it, it's, it's weird because it, it makes me feel like there's something going on that I just don't understand. Yeah. When the market moves against Ken Palm, it's usually a, 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 a sign, right? Or a red flag. It, it, it is. Although in this tournament in particular, and we haven't seen it much with, you know, dogs pushing to favorites or favorites pushing to dogs, but the lines have been shifted typically. And we've, we've talked about it a lot with underdogs have been shorter than they normally would be in the regular season. Uh, there's a, a point or two tax you've got to pay, which is unusual, but a, a point or two tax you've got to pay if you like the underdog. And it's kind of the opposite of the regular season, in fact. And But I think it's, it, you know, we've seen the results. The underdogs are, are right there with the favorites this year. So they've they've done it. The books have done a good job of balancing this out and making these numbers pretty, pretty fair. Um, but this is one that's just, it's bounced around to both sides of, of the zero that it's, it's going to be a stay away from me. I said, we'll go in chronological order, but I lied. Let's just stay at Madison square garden and talk about the nightcap, uh, Florida Atlantic against Tennessee, Tennessee, a five point favorite and Tennessee. AJ was a team that I think a lot of people wanted to fade in this tournament sure. because they were without, you know, one of their best players. I mean, I, I was in a survivor pool. I'm not anymore, but I was in a survivor pool in which I said, hey, I'm going to take Tennessee on the first day because they're only going to win one game in this tournament. <laughs> well, they, they're they 2-0 so far. Yeah, 2-0 and, and, and got a good chance to get a win here. Uh, this line up to now 5.5, it was 4 at one point on Tuesday. So it's like the, the, there's Tennessee love coming in. And maybe rightfully so. Like you're right. the The initial thought was fade Tennessee. Uh, Zakai Ziegler being out, too much to overcome. He's their only creator, their only true point guard, uh, and they've had to adjust what they do offensively. But it's worked, and they have pulled teams into the muck with them. And you saw the the Duke game was the best example. They bullied Duke. They they made it very difficult for Duke to play the game that they want to play. They it, much like Kentucky, like I said, when you don't have much offense, you just got to get a bunch of rebounds. 34% of their misses, they got offensive rebounds on. Uh, and Tennessee's offense has to do that because they're not a great shooting team. Florida Atlantic's the real deal. They they rebound the ball really well, despite not having a lot of size. They are a, a, a good two-point defense, uh, top 15 nationally. Tennessee's going to have to make some outside shots. And while they shot 43% against Duke from three. That's not really the strength of their team. My worry for Florida Atlantic is they are a, it, when on offense, this, this is great. They're one, one in uh, Vladislav golden, who's a seven foot one, just giant. And then they're four out their next biggest starter is six foot four. So they've got four true guards with their big man, which is, is great on offense. But once you get down to the other end and you've got to handle the size of Tennessee, and Tennessee has, you know, a seven footer as well in Plavsic, but then they've got six foot nine Olivier Kamwa, who has been an absolute terror in this tournament. He basically destroyed Duke 27 points, nine of 13 shooting, including three or four from three. So you're going to ask somebody who's six foot four to get down and bang with that guy. I, I don't know 
how that works out. I don't know. I, I don't know what kind of a zone they're going to try to to throw at Tennessee. They're going to have to do some kind of a zone. It, it's like all I can picture them working. I don't know how that works out. So uh, at the at the current number, it's it's going to be a pass for me. I wanted to find a way to play Tennessee. I regret not playing it at four. If there if we see a six on Florida Atlantic, I could probably be persuaded to play a six on Florida Atlantic. But as for now, this game is going to be a, a pass for me. Are you surprised to see this total keep dipping down and down? No, it was a no. low. It was a low total to begin with, and people just keep hammering this under. Yeah, I mean, if and I think it comes with Tennessee becoming more favored. Like I, I think if the the lower scoring this game is, the better the the, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the better it is for Tennessee, and it's kind of the opposite of what we normally see when a, when a favorite takes money. Usually, the overs taking money. That's not the case with Tennessee. When Tennessee wins these games, their opponents are under 60 points. And I, I, that's that's Tennessee's goal. It's certainly it's certainly plausible, although this Florida Atlantic team, again, like I said, they're the real deal. They've been great all season long. This isn't a fluke that they're here. They're, they're a very, very well-coached, very good team. But I, I think this matchup could leave them just getting kind of bullied around. Yeah, this thing opened at 133. It's down to 129 and- in spots. And remember, you know, Florida Atlantic, it, it took, some would say, it took some favorable officiating for them to get past Memphis, and Memphis is a physical team, mm-hmm. but not nearly to the level that this Tennessee team is. Like, it's 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 Memphis on steroids. So, I, I, I think that, like, Florida Atlantic didn't deal well with that physicality. They escaped it, didn't deal well with it, though. Let's head to the West region here in Las Vegas. The 8-4 matchup between Arkansas and UConn. The Huskies, the analytics darlings, AJ, four-point favorites. Yeah, they are, and I I, I tend to like the, the Huskies here. Um, it, it, Arkansas got really what they wanted at the rim against Kansas. They kind of they bullied their way inside. They got easy buckets. Kansas, this Kansas team, what they've missed this year – was sort of a staple of Bill Self championship, or at least great Kansas teams, was they they didn't have a big man, a quality big man down low to like kind of keep these guys away from the basket. UConn has that. In fact, they've got a couple guys. It's going to be very difficult to get to the rim against UConn, and Arkansas cannot shoot the three. 314th nationally in three-point percentage. The only option for Arkansas is getting into the trees. And... UConn is they don't allow shots from three so it's I I think that Arkansas realizes they're going to have to get in and do some scoring on the inside it's just going to be it's going to be very difficult with Sonogo down there they're also ill-equipped to deal with the offensive rebounding of UConn uh UConn's the second best team in the country on the offensive glass Arkansas just an, an average defensive rebounding team and if you've listened to any of our shows in the last couple of weeks, you've heard me talk about Arkansas's talent. And yep. I do believe Arkansas has way more talent than a, a typical eight seed in the tournament ever does. Uh, they've got two guys on their roster that are going to be lottery picks in the NBA. That That's an unusual thing for a, a team that's, you know, not a, not a top four seed or not a Kentucky or a Duke. But those two guys, those two freshmen, Anthony Black and Nick Smith Jr., have been really poor in this tournament. Anthony Black, 16 points on 5 of 18 shooting. Nick Smith Jr., uh, 6 points on 2 of 14 shooting. And the thought is, and it goes back to what I said about Michigan State, Michigan State's won two games without shooting the ball well. That's that's great news if you think they're going to find that shot. Mm -hmm. 
Arkansas has won two games with their two best players, almost giving them nothing. The question is, is there a reason why they've given them almost nothing? Is it because they are freshmen? And if so, like there's maybe a little bit of pressure on them that they're not ready for. And they're in, you know, UConn is an experienced team, a physical team. It's not going to be easy for this Arkansas uh, squad. I, I like the Huskies here. What about the total? Any feel for that? Uh, no, I, I do. Well, again, I, I, I guess I do think that it's going to be very difficult for Arkansas to score. Okay. I think it'll be difficult. I, I, I would lean to the under for sure. Uh, because Arkansas is going to make it difficult for UConn to score inside as well. Uh, they've got a couple quality bigs, but I, I, it's it, this is going to be a grindy game. I do think this is going to be one of the better games, like watching games mm-hmm. uh, of of the weekend. And the next game in the West, Gonzaga UCLA, which will draw just incredible uh, viewership. I, I'm very shocked here because with the injuries that UCLA is dealing with. They have taken money. This thing went from a pick'em to UCLA minus two. It's back down to now UCLA laying a point and a half. I think we talked about this on the Dream Pod. I think you nailed it when you said, "Hey, you're going to give me two points with any of these teams. I'm going to take it." Like if UCLA was plus two, you take UCLA. If Gonzaga's plus two, you take Gonzaga. I'm leaning Gonzaga here, and it's really for that for that matter. Is I think this is a coin flip game, and I think with UCLA's injuries, I think Gonzaga has a slight edge. I agree with you, and and yeah, this is this is a game that I would have th- thought would be a pick. Uh, when I first talked to to Steve Fezzik about this, I said this this game is going to close pick, and clearly I was wrong. And I, I've actually been very good about predicting which way these lines are going to move. This one I was wrong on. When it opened one, I said it, it's going to it's gonna, it'll be a pick, it, or it'll be Gonzaga favored by one. Uh, so the fact that UCLA is is giving points here is surprising to me. Gonzaga's got the longest win streak in the country, eleven game win streak. But you're right, the 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 woes from an injury standpoint are just they're they're just piling up on UCLA. It was enough that Jalen Clark was done for the year. He was their best wing defender. Uh, Adam Bona, who was on a minutes restriction against Northwestern, he didn't look right. He's the guy who's going to have to deal with Drew Timmy. Uh, who Drew Timmy? Who can deal with Drew Timmy right now? He's he's nuclear right yeah, now. He's getting every shot he wants. And then, and like UCLA has bodies to throw at him. They've got fouls to use on him. But is that what you want to do with with uh, Timmy? It doesn't seem like the ideal situation to just throw a bunch of bodies and put him on the free throw line all night. And then David Singleton, who's their senior guard, he was on that Final Four team. Uh, he's been pushed back into the starting lineup with the Clark injury. He rolled his ankle badly against Northwestern, and they they say that he thinks he's going to be ready to play. But I I watched it, and his foot touched his calf. Yeah, like, it looked bad. That doesn't you you don't just overnight say, "Yep, I'm good to go now." I, I mean, it, I guess it's possible, and if it if he does, then God bless him. It feels hard to believe that he would be a hundred percent coming into this game, and he's going to be the guy who's assigned to Julian Strother. So you've got a, a banged up guy trying to defend Drew Timmy. You got a banged up guy trying to defend Julian Strother. When the guy who would have been best equipped to deal with Strother is already out. I, I don't see it for UCLA here. This is an offensive-defensive matchup at its core. Uh, I just trust Gonzaga's offense right now more than I trust UCLA's defense. And remember, UCLA just got they just got by Northwestern, and Northwestern shot 27% from three. I, I think Gonzaga shoots better. Uh, and if you go back to the Pac-12 season, and the team that plays the same style as Gonzaga is Arizona. Tommy Lloyd is a Mark Few disciple. He went down to Arizona to create Gonzaga South. 
right now they're a less talented version of Gonzaga and UCLA went UCLA went one and two against Zona this season. So uh, I feel like the the stylistic matchup if if you're if you're losing two out of three to the apprentice, uh, I think you have a hard time against the master, particularly given the master some points so uh it's it's gonzaga for me it's gonzaga for me and it's the over for me i think we're gonna see points in this game i think you mentioned it's an offense versus defense matchup i think the offense wins out and i think gonzaga will control the pace in this game and i like it to go over well here's what i know the offense is healthy the the team with the good offense is healthy the team with the good defense is not healthy so i I, I said this at the beginning of the tournament. UCLA, when you when you look at their Ken Palm and you see, oh, this is the number two defensive team in the country, that's it's phony because it doesn't account for the fact that Jalen Clark, who is their best defender, is not playing in this game. And it doesn't account for Adembona, who is their their best rim protector, being banged up. It doesn't account for those things. So I I, I do believe that this tennis or excuse me, the uh the UCLA defense is overvalued right now. And going against this Gonzaga team that is just playing at a different level than they were earlier in the season. Like there was all this talk about, oh, well, UConn's down. And I guess technically UConn is down a little bit. Or excuse me, Gonzaga is down a little bit. But this Gonzaga team is still amongst the elite in the country. And there's really no way around it. And there's a couple of spots here and there that they, they lost games that, you know, we talked about the St. Mary's game when it went to overtime, a game that Gonzaga controlled the entirety of the game. They lose that game by eight in overtime. If that game flips, we're looking at this team differently. The game that they lost to Loyola Marymount at home, 68-67, a one-point loss. If that game's flipped, we're looking at this differently. They lost to Baylor, 64-63 in one of the uh, the, the midseason tournaments. If that, if that results flipped, we're looking at this team differently. They've had two real losses this season where they just got – got the business and that was against texas and purdue those games were both in november since then they've been right in every game and they've dominated most games uh they they dominated loyola marymount in the return matchup they beat them by 43 points i think in in the return matchup and you and i saw what they did to saint mary's like this team right now is playing at a different level than it was early in the season and it's absolutely terrifying so let's take a look at the uh, championship odds of the teams that will be playing here tonight on Thursday. We'll start with Michigan State at 30 to 1. Their opponent Kansas State is at 35 to 1. Interesting that there's such a discrepancy in those odds when it's just a one and a half point game between it, that, these two teams. Yeah, that is a little bit odd, but I do think there's some love there given to, sure, to Tom to Izzo. Izzo. Like yep. if you said, "Oh, well, Look at the look at this tournament. Look what's left in this tournament. He's the only coach and left that's won a title. Exactly. So who's got the resume to to win one, even mm-hmm. with a team that maybe he shouldn't win a tournament with? I think most people would say Izzo. UConn is actually the fourth favorite at nine to one, and their opponent Arkansas is thirty five to one. So we have a four point game between Arkansas and UConn, but UConn is overwhelmingly more of a favorite to win the championship than Arkansas is. That that's yeah. that's wild. Yeah, it's tough for me to want to take anyone out of the the West because UConn is so unpredictable. Like mm-hmm. they they can be they can be the best team in the country one night, and they can be the the thirtieth best team in the country the next night. Uh, they certainly have the great. They have incredible upside. Uh, I nine to one seems short to me, uh, especially when you know they're going to have to play the winner of Gonzaga and UCLA, which mm-hmm. is going you know going to be a tough game uh, for them regardless. So even to get out of this region 
they're going to play one of the best teams in the country. I, 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 I'm not feeling that one. Tennessee is at 10 to 1. Their opponent, Florida Atlantic, the longest odds in the field at 50 to 1. And yeah. Gonzaga, UCLA, UCLA is your third favorite to win it all at 8 to 1. Gonzaga is 12 to 1. Well, I mean, I just said I like Gonzaga to win this game, so yep. I clearly don't like the UCLA number. Agreed. Uh, and and we gave out Gonzaga twenty five to one on this mm-hmm. show a mm-hmm. couple of weeks ago. So uh, we we've got a Gonzaga ticket in pocket. I'm I'm riding that, hoping that they can keep this thing going. Uh, but yeah, I, I, though even now, I wouldn't I wouldn't bet that number now on Gonzaga just because the fact that they're going to have to go up against uh, against UConn. That's a dangerous matchup for both teams. If we assume that those two teams advance, and that's that's the way I certainly see this happening, uh, that I, that's a scary matchup for both teams. First half of the Sweet 16 gets started tonight, 6.30 Eastern time in the East region. We'll, re- we'll recap these games and preview Friday's games coming up on tomorrow morning show. A fun night, I would say, in the NBA. And AJ, your system play involving the Warriors, uh, you know, when you play them when they're at home looking for wins and you play against them on the road expecting them to lose. But you didn't want to touch this game. You predicted a Warriors possible win and it happened. Yeah, well, I I didn't like the uh, I I didn't want to play the Mavericks. I was worried. Uh, I I, and the number went up the doubt or excuse me, uh, the Warriors took money all day and I, listen, I got to say, I'm glad I didn't get involved in this because I'd be right there with Mark Cuban banging the table saying, hey, th- th- we all had this system play and there's nonsense going on. Mark Cuban says he's going to protest the loss. 127-125, by the way, Golden State got the got the win in Dallas. Uh, and they said there's an uncontested dunk by Kayvon Looney after a timeout with a minute 54 in the third quarter. The Mavericks thought they had possession of the ball, which apparently was uh, there was an officiating error. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cuban said that the refs had said it was Mavericks ball and a timeout was called. During the timeout, the official changed the call and never told the Mavericks. Then when they saw us line up as if it were our ball, he just gave the ball to the Warriors, never said a word to us, they got an easy or they got an easy basket crazy that it would make it or that it would matter in a two point game then he said it was the worst officiating non call mistake probably in the history of the nba all they had to do was tell us and they didn't that's all via uh mark cuban's mm-hmm. tweet and the crew chief said he he disagreed with that he said there's a second signal that signal is for a mandatory timeout that was due to the mavs um, according to here, he's saying the, the refs had in fact said it was already golden state's ball. So the second signal was because it was a timeout to the Mavs. That's what he was saying. So Cuban's going to file his protest, uh, sometime I'm guessing today or tomorrow, Adam Silver will review it. Um, listen, we know what the warriors are. The warriors, We're, we know which way this is yeah, likely warriors, to go. The yeah, game's over. Warriors win the game. What are they? They're gonna, you know what they're going to do? They're going to admit their mistake. They're going to apologize to Mark Cuban and nothing's going to change because the, the win's going to be awarded to the warriors. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to bring both teams back onto the court and to play. Uh, <laughs> to, to exactly. Figure, you know, there's nothing you can do. And, this, and it is, yeah, this it's is, going to cost Mark Cuban $10,000. Oh, he do doesn't it care about that. When you turn in a protest, it has to be, there's a $10,000 fee. 
which is either refunded if your protest is deemed worthy or you you just lose it if they decide, nope, you're not getting that. And the last time that a protest was upheld or was uh, overturned, I guess, was January 2008. So history against the Mavs here. Yeah, he doesn't care about the money. And you know what? They'll probably give it back to him and they'll say, you were right. The protest is right, but there's nothing we can do. The game is over. Uh, he'll make a stink about it, and it's good for him to make a stink about it. And it was kind of weird watching the play happen. It's like the the Mavericks are all back waiting for you know somebody to bring the ball up the court, and uh, the Warriors just had all five guys in their offensive zone just get the ball and hand, yeah. it, hand it into Looney and watch him dunk. There so, was clearly a miscommunication somewhere. Yes, yes. It's- it, it, definitely a miscommunication. Uh, it would have been nice for them to – you know, maybe do the play over again. Like, just say, okay, let's just start it over again. We'll give the Warriors the ball, but let's allow the Mavericks to get back on defense here. Um, and it's crazy. Yeah, a free two points that just occurred right there. But, you know, you look at the the standings now, and it's an important win for the Warriors who maintain their spot out of the play-in tournament. They are the sixth seed right now. They're just one game up on the Timberwolves, and those Dallas Mavericks are... Currently the ninth seed, just a half game up, though, on the 10th seed and half game up on not even being in the play-in tournament. So I can so this see, matters. Yeah, I can see Mark Cuban's frustration there. Elsewhere uh, last night, John Morant made his return. He did not start. He came off the bench. He scored 17 points as the Grizzlies... Um, Took care of the Houston Rockets. No surprise there. Yeah, 131-25 win, uh, 24 minutes. So they're they're basically trying to work him into game shape. Uh the, the Memphis crowd was very kind to uh to Ja. And it looked, I mean, he looks good. I mean, obviously 24 minutes isn't ideal for him, but I think they're they're planning on cranking that up over the next few games. Uh, but yeah, this was a I think it was a, a lucky scheduling break that the Grizzlies were playing the Rockets last night. It's a, If you're trying to work somebody back in, perfect. We're playing the worst team in the league. Uh, l- let's ease them in here. So uh, rather than – and although the game was more competitive than you would have expected, it was a, a five-point game, so it wasn't like it was a, a blowout game. But good that he was able to get in and, and get some reps. So the Bucks played the Spurs last night, and this game closed as Milwaukee laying – 19 points. It is the largest spread of the NBA season. And over the last, uh, let's say, five years, favorites of 17 points or, or more are don't actually cover. They've gone 7 and 15 against the spread. We'll make it 8 and 15 because the Bucks 19 didn't matter. 20 didn't matter. Heck, 29 didn't matter. They win 130 to 94. Yeah, what a showing uh, by Milwaukee here. And this game was actually, it it was a competitive game for a quarter. And you saw them just pull away at 19 turnovers for the Spurs. Uh, And what's wild about this is the, the Bucks didn't play like, really great ball. They they shot 35% from three that the Spurs just stunk. Uh, didn't have an answer for Giannis who puts up 31 on 14 of 23 shooting. Uh, the Spurs team is just bad. And it's, I mean, Milwaukee goes out and for lack of a better term, takes out the garbage. 
Carl Anthony Towns made his uh, long-awaited return to the Timberwolves, and he scores 22 points in 26 minutes as the T-Wolves edge the Hawks 125-124. Good timing for him to get back. There's a, a team that's been underperforming all season long. A lot of, lot of expectations for this team who, who kind of pushed all their chips into the middle uh, in this offseason, and the fact that they're fighting for a playoff spot got to be a huge disappointment, so... Uh, good time for, for them to get their big man back. Damian Lillard scores 30 points with 12 assists as the Blazers beat the Jazz 127-115. Laurie Markkinen had 40 points and 12 boards. That's an impressive performance. Uh, the 76ers get by the Bulls 116-91. How did MVP candidate Joel Embiid do, you asked? 12 points. How did Joel Embiid do? Oh, okay. Twelve points. That's not a. That's not an MVP number. Twelve points in only sixteen minutes, as uh, Joel Embiid sat out the second half, dealing with uh, you know his calf injury. Yeah, he said all year long, my leg's not right. So that's. Uh, I mean, while this is while while he's in the midst of this, it's surprising to see him sitting out those games, especially while Joker was having himself a pretty good night. Yeah, but does it surprise you that he sits out against the Bulls when he's staring at the face, uh, staring in the face of a game against the Golden State Warriors and then the Phoenix Suns and then the MVP matchup with Nikola Jokic? I think if there was a time to sit yeah, out, maybe a, it makes sense. If there was a time to sit out a half, I think that last night was the time to sit out a half. You mentioned yeah. uh, Jokic. 31 points, 12 boards, 7 dimes as the Nuggets beat the Wizards, 118-104. Pacers, 118-114 over the Raptors. The Heat beat the Knicks, 127-120, 35 points from Jimmy Butler. And the Lakers beating the Suns, 122-111. Devin Booker, 33 points in the loss, A.J. And a good night for Anthony Davis, 27 points and nine rebounds, five assists. But, I mean, this game, this isn't the Suns and the Lakers. Like, until there's LeBron for the Lakers and and KD and and DeAndre Ayton for the Suns, uh, these are a couple shells of themselves playing against each other here. But the Lakers, obviously, in desperate need of wins. So, however they get them, uh, you know they're going to take them. You know what's uh, crazy? Kevin Durant and LeBron James have not played against each other since 2018 well that's wild what are the odds of that since lebron joined the lakers in 2018 2019 he's played against durant only one time and that was a win over the warriors on christmas day in 2018 and it's just because of injuries and uh you know whether the lakers were playing the warriors or the nets and whatever and now against the suns and him not being there Two of the greatest players of this generation have not played against each other in, let's see, 2018, 2019, 21, 2, 3, five years? Yeah, that's... I think they're ducking each other, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's I like, think they're ducking. It's like Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua. <laughs> exactly. All right, let's take a look at the short NBA slate for tonight. Your New York Knicks, two-and-a-half-point favorites at the Magic. My Cleveland Cavaliers, four-point favorites at the Nets. The Pelicans, seven-point home favorites against the Hornets. And the Clippers, lane three against the Thunder. No Paul George. Presumption is he's going to be out for at least a regular season. They're hoping he can be back for a playoff run, should there be one, 
for the LA Clippers. Ooh, I like the Thunder here. Thunder have won eight of their last 10 games. Last night, AJ, you know, sometimes when you see a line on a game that uh, it doesn't make sense to you, it's probably that way for a reason, right? You know, whether you want to call it fishy lines or, you know, sharp action, whatever it is, there's usually a reason why a line, why why a book hangs a line. You you would. I like to say I like to say it's a queer line. A what line? A queer line. Why would you say that? I don't know. That's what I. That's what I call it when it's a little off. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I, I'm just saying that's something that's, that it gets called. It's 2023, AJ. You can't say I, things like that. I think that is that not an acceptable word anymore. I, I just I think I mean all lines are created equal. Okay. <laughs> I'm not here to judge the line. I mean, the line can do whatever the line wants. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Queer just means peculiar. That's all. Was the great Seinfeld? Not that there's anything wrong with that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so the line for the Avalanche against the Penguins was rather intriguing, uh, as Colorado was a minus one forty-five favorite on home ice. The Avalanche came into this game winners of six straight games, while the Penguins came into this game losers of four straight games. But yet, the Avalanche on home ice were only minus one forty-five. Well, Penguins win the game five to two. So the line was speaking to you, and you should have listened. Did you listen? Did you hear the line speaking? Oh, I stayed completely away from this game because this <laughs> line scared this line scared the bejesus out of me. It wasn't talking loud enough to you. Oh, it was talking. It was saying, "Run, run away!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Elsewhere last night, you know, the Oilers have a habit of doing this. They were massive favorites against the Coyotes, and uh, they've done this before, where they're massive favorites in a game, they trail, it looks like they're going to lose, they tie the game, and then they win the game in overtime. That's exactly what happened last night as they beat the Coyotes 4-3. Connor McDavid scoring goals number 59 and 60. He got the game winner in overtime, and McDavid now is the f- uh, the fewest games to score 60 goals in a single season in the salary cap era. It's Connor McDavid, 72 games it took him uh, with the two goals here last night. Austin Matthews, uh, just last season, had 73 games to get to 60 goals. Before that, it was Alexander Ovechkin in 2007-2008 and uh, Steven Stamkos, 2011-2012. That's the record for the fewest games to score 60 goals in a season in the salary cap era. And McDavid, again, goals number 59 and 60 last night, including the game winner in overtime as the Oilers beat the Coyotes. A much larger schedule tonight as the regular season is winding down and playoff seeds are on the line. We have the Wild at the Flyers. Minnesota is minus 160. Taking a look at the Wild standings right now, they are currently tied for first place with the Dallas Stars in the Central Division, but only two points up on the Colorado Avalanche, which is why that loss last night for Colorado was just even that much more baffling. Uh, The Canadiens at the Bruins, Boston minus 430. Rangers at the Hurricanes. This is a rematch of a game that we just saw a couple of nights ago in which the Hurricanes came from behind to defeat the Rangers 3-2. Carolina, now the home team, they are minus 145. Carolina is two points up on the Devils for first place 
in the Metropolitan Division. The Blues are at the Red Wings, Detroit minus 130. Maple Leafs at the Panthers, Florida minus 115. This total is seven, probably should be seven and a half, but total is seven between the Maple Leafs and the Panthers. Florida right now is one point behind the Penguins for the race for the second wild card. And Toronto is three points up on Tampa for home ice advantage in their 2-3 matchup coming in the playoffs. Speaking of the Lightning, they are at the Senators. Tampa Bay is minus 145. Ottawa still seven points back of a playoff spot. Not looking good for the Sens. The Blackhawks are at the Capitals. Washington is minus 250. Washington is six points back. Of a playoff spot. Kraken at the Predators. Seattle is minus 130. Seattle right now the top wild card spot with 85 points. And their opponent, the Nashville Predators, right now they are sitting at 78 points. So five points back of Winnipeg for the second wild card. Golden Knights are at the Flames. Calgary is minus 140. Vegas is two points up on the Kings for first place. In the Pacific and the Flames, they are just four points back of Winnipeg for the second wild card. Penguins at the Stars, Dallas minus 165. So it's the second of a back-to-back for the Penguins after playing in altitude last night. Pittsburgh holding on to that second wild card spot right now. Dallas, as I mentioned before, with Minnesota tied for first place. The Jets are at the Ducks. Winnipeg minus 225. The Jets holding on to that second wild card spot. And the Sharks are at the Canucks. Vancouver minus 170. Your race for the worst record in the league right now, also known as the Connor Bedard sweepstakes, the Columbus Blue Jackets with 51 points. Congratulations, Columbus. You're doing great. They need to draft a, they need to draft a goalie. Well, I mean, they made a trade. So, <laughs> you know, they, they, they did what they had to do. But, man, I think Columbus has visions of uh, a Connor Bedard, Johnny Gaudreau, Patrick Laine, you know, matchup over there. Uh, meanwhile, San Jose's got 53 points. Chicago, 54. Anaheim. 56. So all those teams have been eliminated from postseason contention, obviously, uh, but they are all in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. With the Sweet 16 getting underway, XFL resuming this weekend as well. There's no better time. Oh, and Major League Baseball season starting next week. There is no better time to hop on board a subscription package at pregame.com or just check out a daily best bet package. And you know what? You can take 20% off using our promo code BADBEAT20. Yes, in the spirit of some bad beats in the NCAA tournament, hopefully no more tonight, but in the spirit of these bad beats, we're giving you 20% off at pregame.com just using the promo code BADBEAT20. AJ, you haven't been the victim of any bad beats, have you? Oh, of course not. Of course not. I didn't. I wasn't on Gonzaga minus four. No, not at all. No, and there was nothing in that Drake game that bothered you, right? Nothing. Nothing at all that bothered me about that sixteen-one run to finish them off. No, yeah, it was no. perfectly made total sense. Sure, sure. Bad beat twenty is the promo code. Take twenty percent off anything you'd like at pregame.com. For AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas. Hey, yeah.